Well, the thing is with veg, they're like the James Blunt of the food world. You go, <laughs> you go, you go. Okay, it's nice. And I can see the. I can see your point. I can see what you're getting at. But I'd rather see Pink Floyd. Welcome to episode 17 of Bud and Griff's Game and Creep Show. Uh, how are you, Griff? I'm good. Recovering from a biscuit binge. Because it's um, we're recording this in the Christmas sort of well, the post-Christmas period. That, that is true. That is true. We had a, we had a dinner yesterday and mm-hmm. um we barely had enough room on the table for the plates. Oh, that's <laughs> we, we sat with them on our laps. <laughs> Did you have the did you have the full traditional turkey goose? John Cockroach. I mean is that the post apocalyptic Christmas? <laughs> no, um we had a, we had beef and we had turkey. And the only one who ate any turkey was my missus, but we've had sandwiches today. That's good. Um which were lovely. So we had oh god, it was there was so much food. So much food. But but as as a as a as a birthday gift to you, I've got a quiz for you. Oh, lovely! Okay, so don't forget it's just Tuesday or B. You know you know the rules by now. I don't have to explain yeah. them again. No, but don't say you can wrestle a gorilla. Okay. Okay. First question: Santa Claus or Cancasos? Santa Claus. Well, obviously, yeah. Merry Father Nagel or Seductive Slanesh? Oh, Slanesh. <laughs> Why? <laughs> just, just, you know, I, I read Warhammer law and I go, yeah. so it's a, it's a bad thing to be a worshipper of Slanesh. They just have so Apparently, much. Apparently, yeah. You know, it's more like Hellraiser, isn't it? The more like they find sins of the flesh and all that kind of thing. Exactly. That's, that's, well, what okay. Whatever, 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 um, clutch your boat. Uh, Solstice Bells or the Skaven Bell of Doom. I'll go for the Skaven Bell of Doom. I don't blame you, to be honest, because the other one was, was Jethro Tull, wasn't it? <laughs> Bring Solstice Bells with Mr. Fluke Guy. Was it Ian Anderson, yeah? Yes. Um, Christmas card list or Dwarf Book of Grudges? Dwarf Book of Grudges. I don't do Christmas cards. I'm very sorry to the four people that sent me a Christmas card this year because they send them every year and I've even stopped the pretense of thanking them. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's, I just feel so guilty when I get them. Because I read, I read though, 
that some Christmas cards posted in December won't get until their destination in March. See, in, in, my, in my face-to-face group, it's a race to see who can get the Christmas cards to someone first. Oh. And Mark, one of my friends, every year he makes it his, like, his mission to be the first one to go. He's like, he's like dealing cards. Like, Christmas <laughs> cards to everyone. You should, you should go around his house and deliver one tonight. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Happy, happy Christmas 2024. Sorry about the nuclear apocalypse. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that was the book book of grudges. Yeah. Um, a slightly Christmassy flavour on. Warhammer or ham warmer? I'd go for Warhammer. You're like your you're ham warm. I, I don't, I, I can't eat ham, unfortunately. I love, Why? I love, I can't eat red meat or white meat. I can't eat meat. Because, I thought you were pork. Nah, I've I've had to stop because it just gives me terrible indigestion. Oh, okay. So so Chris Christmas uh, has been hell this year. Hell is the only cockroach says yeah. Is, is cockroach red meat or white meat? <laughs> well, that's it. Cockroach is the only thing now that doesn't give me indigestion. <laughs> Co- cockroach and turnip. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a weird Christmas dinner! Oh, that was terrible. We had a good Christmas dinner this year. Me and my my son. We oh, had, what did you have? I, I made chicken korma, and then I poured it on top of a pizza. <laughs> it was ace. We simply, I asked him. I said, "You can have anything you want," and he said, "Chicken korma on top of a pizza." That's what we had. I bet you can get a pizza like that in America. <laughs> Honestly, lovely. It's good. It's our new tradition. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's all my questions for you. Yes. Did you get any uh, nice Christmas presents? I did. I got a lot of role playing games. So what you get? Uh, well, I got I got them in November, and I've been in strict strict instructions not to read them, and I've snuck bits of time with them. Yeah. But now I could actually read them without guilt. So I got uh, Adventures in Rokuga. Oh, yeah, I saw that on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's, uh, y- you know my feelings. I-, I like fifth edition D&D, but I'm not, I'm not hugely sold on traditional fantasy. I've sort of been there, done that. Uh, and this is set in a sort of like a f- samurai Japan, and you play... You can play samurai and magic users, shigenja, and you can play ninjas and monks, and it's all going around kicking demons in, and that's it. It's, that sounds fun. Yeah. Well, Rokugan's one of the great fantasy settings. It's it's an absolutely beautiful fantasy setting, and um, I've got Five Rings, which is the role playing game that has normally used Rokugan. I'm not sold on the base system because, well, the, the base game experience is being courtiers and, you know, uh, all set at court. It's all politics. And I like to hit things with a sword. I mean, don't we all? Yeah. So I got, I got that. And mm-hmm. I got, I got the revised books for Pathfinder second edition. The sketch covers ones. Yeah. Yes. Or just the, oh, you did. Okay. So just for people listening, there's a fantastic game called Pathfinder, um, which is a bit like D&D, but for 
people with uh, a, a, a bent towards tactics and fun and not just yakking off like they do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's the it's the edition that they've had to put out because of Wizards of the Coast doing their OGL shenanigans. Mm, so they yeah. basically it's D and D with all the bits of D and D removed that you're going to get sued over, and it's really good. It's really mm. really good. So no beholders, no drow, no beholders, drow's retconned out of existence, which is going to be. A surprise for those DMs that have got drow-based adventures. Could they just call them dark elves, though? Nah, I think they've been retconned. I mean, they'd already they'd already changed the hell out heck. I say heck out of them, not hell. They've changed the heck out of them anyway. But yeah, it's gone and alignment gone. So no more good versus evil. Monsters aren't defined by if they're lawful or chaotic or evil. And it's just and and the systems. A lot tidier. So, so, I mean, regarding the alignment thing, how do you know to hit with your sword then? Well, they've replaced alignment damage with a thing called spirit damage. So you have things that can be hit that take damage if they've got a soul or not. Okay. So there's that's the alignment damage. And as a part of your character creation, you can choose or not choose to be made unholy or holy by your deity. And that has in-game effects as well. Okay. So, so, you know, at certain levels you can, on your attacks, you can choose to make your attacks holy, if that makes sense. Mm, it's, okay. It's really, really cool. I know this is like we, we, we air towards horror and sort of the games that we like in horror role-playing. But if somebody's after a, a fantasy, a pure knock-around rip-off of Lord of the Rings or, you know, that sort of stuff, I'd steer them towards Pathfinder before Dungeons & Dragons, I think. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff off of Pathfinder as well, isn't there? And they're heavily committed to it. They publish lots of adventure paths. Um, there's subscription systems. And um, most of their stuff tends to air towards the weird. There's there's no straight stories with Pazar. They always put a lot of really good twists on things. So yeah. Mm. So I got I got those for Christmas. Did you get anything? I got money because I'm going to Gen Con. Oh. Um so got a couple of hundred quid to go to my to my savings to um to get me to Gen Con and I'm getting me playing. I'm going to play more games this time around, I think, as opposed to just shopping. Yeah. So that, that's that, that. I mean, you know, the thing is, I'm just, I'm the kind of person, if I want something, I'll buy it. Hmm. So I'm really hard to buy for as a, as a result. Um, I don't get surprised that often by things people have bought me. So um, I just said to, to my, my missus, because my family don't buy me anything. We just don't buy each other anything. I said to my missus' family, just, if they ask, just say you could really use some cash towards Gen Con. And yeah, lo and behold, they did. So, so yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I got. I got, I got bits off the kids, you know, like chocolate and things like that, but nothing role playing esque. But I did get some, I did get a gift off Pookie, hmm. who doesn't believe in Christmas. So I'll show you what he got me. Um, he got me this um, board game, uh, Five Minute Dungeon. 
Oh, that looks nice. Mm, apparently it's good. So, uh, yeah, there's that. I'll, I'll play that with the kids. And he got me another copy of Sport of Fashad. Oh, God. I've, I've found one. I've got to find someone to give it to. I've, the one yeah, that you yeah, sent me. I sent it to you. I thought I thought it was rid of it, like uh, like some kind of case. But he's even he's even actually written a message in this one. <laughs> and it's slightly too rough and shiny to use a toilet paper. So um, I think I'm going to smuggle it to Gen Con. And it's going in someone's bag before I leave. <laughs> um, yeah, but that role-playing wise, that's all I got. I say I, I, I buy myself things rather. Not, I know what everyone knows what I want. Mm. To be honest, yeah. So Christmas has been nice so far, um, and I'm off till the eighth of the eighth of January. Oh, that's good. Which is a which is a uh, it's a nice break, and I'm hoping to get some videos out before then. I'm hoping to get. I've I've been working today actually on the Lightbringers video for um for RuneQuest, but I'm gonna have to break it into parts because the book's so dense. Yes. Uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll have that on out in the next few days. Um obviously it'll be out before this podcast is released. Um so uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I do. Uh it's it's not to murder people. I do it I do it every year. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> you won't uh, make resolutions or murder people or both. Uh, uh, both. I make, I make the re- resolution not to murder people, and it normally lasts until February, and then that itch, that itch just comes back. <laughs> no, uh, no, okay. My, my New Year's resolution this year is I am going to join a society, a club, and do something. Outside of the house that includes contact with other human beings. It's going to be ASAP, isn't it? No, no, I've got. I'm, <laughs> no, I, 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 I am, I think, going to join an improv society. You know, like. I think you'd li- be good at that. Whose line is it anyway? I don't know. Because you're supposed to just be in the moment and say what pops into your head. Well, that's what you do your- here, though. I'm, I know, but when I'm. Yeah, it's the the danger. We can edit this. Some of the stuff I might say in front of a live audience with vicars and children in it might not go down well. So, well, <laughs> that is true. Yeah, that is true. You just got to uh, tell them your chicken coma on pizza, <laughs> Christmas dinner story. You'll have to volunteers. No matter I'll what, invite- you got to improvise. Just stick that in somewhere. I'll invite them round. <laughs> <laughs> it's a taste sensation. I might set up a chain of restaurants. That's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to set up a chain of restaurants that only sells curry on pizzas, and you get a choice of the curry and a choice of the pizza, and that's it. What more choice do you need? Can you choose not to have it? <laughs> you could, but then you have to eat cockroach and turnips. <laughs> like the movie for us. We're not, it's red meat, it's white meat. We don't, we don't quite know. <laughs> Um, my, my resolutions are I'm going to get Warhammer 3rd Edition to the table mm. because it, as, as anyone who knows a bit about Warhammer 3rd Edition is, it's a three-player game with a DM. It's mm. not your classic four to five players. That The fourth player came with an add-on pack, um, yes. which I think was the Game Master's Vault. Mm. I think it was that. Um, and that added the fourth player in. So, with my with my face to face group, one of the guys, if he doesn't turn up, then someone else won't. 
but it's always them two. Yeah. So, so one of the guys, Neil, if he doesn't, if he, he can't show for whatever reason, his friend Nathan, who went to, went to university, had to say, well, it's a long drive for me to not play. Mm. So the other three, I've said, if ever that happens, come to mind and we'll play Warhammer 3rd Edition because it's for three players. Oh, that's good. The unfortunate thing is I have to read it. <laughs> And the box sets, he, you know, I know the box is full of tokens and things like that, but and apparently it takes half an hour to literally set your character up. Oh, because it's got as Pookie described it, it's, it's like you've got a heads up display on your character, yes. Um, so, so that, that's my that's my gaming thing for the year, other than like Gen Con, <laughs> you mm. know, and uh, getting version out. So, we're not, I'm, I started the last play test of inversion on. What day is it now? On Saturday, just gone. And yes. it went down really well. Um, so the hopefully, I want to tentatively say we're looking at February. That's excellent. Mm, and then we're, we are, we're going to move on to the viral sequel. But, yeah, so New Year's resolutions-wise, um, I never stick to them anyway. I always break them. Yeah, it seems daft. It seems a daft thing to do. Yeah. But anyway, let's 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 have a talk about some gaming news. And I've got a couple of bits I want to talk about, and I know you've you've got a specific kind of theme to yours. Yeah. First thing I'm going to talk about is the the Arkham book. Um, has just they've just unveiled the cover and the special edition cover mm. for the book on Arkham, and it looks really nice. It's been a long time coming, mm. I think, considering how many years old seventh edition now. Yes, <clears throat> and they've also revealed yesterday. I think it was. The cover to the the Lunar Way for RuneQuest. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Looking yeah, forward. despite um, despite what I say about the Lun the Lunar the Red Goddess, I'm looking forward to it too. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know? Greg Stafford once said um, that he didn't understand why people were more in tune with with what the Red Goddess is about and why more people don't worship her and why there's such resistance against her. And I mean, I wish I had the chance to say to, to Greg, well, Greg, is this because she kind of, she has makes deals with chaos deities? Do you think that could be why? Do you think it could be the conquering? That mm. could be why. You know, do you think it could be the, the, the oppression of the barbarians who just want to be left alone to worship their gods? Do you think that could be it? Yes. But unfortunately, Greg died a few years ago, so and he wouldn't have known who it was, and he'd have got me arrested. So, <laughs> so it's probably a good a good thing. I didn't get to say a lot. But the cover is by Loic Muzi. I think it, I'm not sure that's how you pronounce his name, but I haven't just butchered it. But uh, the cover's really nice. It's, yes. It shows the, the benevolent red goddess riding the back of her demonic steed. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do like the look of that. And, of course, the other Kersium, not not as big news, but they've started to uh, reveal their first books, novels, novelizations in the Cthulhu by Gaslight series, which hopefully yeah. means that that source book should be inbound. So instead yeah. of playing in the 1920s, which I always find a little bit boring, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I do as well. I do, I mean, I do enjoy it, but I, there's, there's, a, there's time periods I'd rather do. Yeah, Vict Victorian-era England, there's just something about mm. it, and I think that's what I would like to... Yeah, sort of play and I think that that's quite exciting knowing that Cthulhu by Gaslight's inbound and again 
it seems a little bit late in the product lifetime to be because we've had like the cowboy setting. And we've oh had yeah, yeah. The French Revolution, yeah. Yeah, French Revolution, all sort of official products, and I think Gaslight is always a really popular one. I think the thing with Gaslight is um, they're at risk of repeating themselves because hmm. hasn't there been for most of the editions a Gaslight source book? Yeah, but I mean the Victorian age is always there. It's not like oh yeah, had- yeah. The, the the problem you get though is they always have to somehow incorporate Sherlock Holmes into it. And that and that is even more reason to buy it because I I, I like to shoehorn Sherlock into everything. <laughs> Paranoia, Warhammer, Tune. Is he? Is he? <laughs> Don't say the T word. Don't <laughs> say the T word. I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> but yeah. So, but for for a Brit, especially, I think the uh, the, the Victorian age rhymes and vibes with us in a stronger way than. 1920s it's yeah because yeah. we live essentially in a country where most of the infrastructure and buildings and transport systems are still victorian we've still got yeah. the original stuff yeah. and the thing is we we kind of mentally harken it back to a time when when britain was great i mm. know they were awful with colonizing the world the way they did and dominating india but but we kind of associate it with uh with good things i don't know or do we? I mean, I kind of do. I, you know, like the kind of industrial revolution and things like that. And Sherlock. That's what I kind of associate. Well, well, I mean, Sherlock's made up. The industrial revolution isn't. Sherlock isn't, mate. Sherlock's real. I've been to two two one B Baker Street in Marylebone. What's there? I bet you it's like a, a subway or something like that, isn't there? Or no, a pizza hut. No, there's a there's a Sherlock Holmes museum. Oh, is there? They've got a museum of things that 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 would never wear. He's, they've got his violin in there and his pipe and his... Oh, that's just a violin. <laughs> it's not his violin. He wasn't a real person. I'm disappointed to find that out. Well, you know, we get shocks every day. I wondered why I failed O-level history. <laughs> it's because I, <laughs> I couldn't tell the people off the television from the people out of the history books. I just couldn't uh, tell do, you know what, do you know what I blame? Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Yeah. Every, every series of Doctor Who, he ends up in Victorian Britain. Every series without fail. And did you watch the Doctor Who special, the um, I, the Christmas one? I did. I uh, I I was. I I even put on the end of Strictly Come Dancing and gritted my teeth through it, so I didn't miss one minute of Doctor Who. See, I thought I thought the guy who played as is Nakuti Gatwa, isn't it? Yes. I thought he was good, but I thought the episode was terrible. I really liked it. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Essentially, Russell T. Davis says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to completely rip off Dungeons and Dragons and Star Wars from my first episode. And I'm going to have <laughs> a load of goblins stealing babies to eat and doing a song. I mean, how Dungeons and Dragons is that? And they're going to feed the baby to Jabba the Hutt. It was a weird Jabba the Hutt thing going on, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and was it Anita Baker at the end? That yes. Anyone ever seen it? I expected it to go. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> but yeah, I loved. I loved it. He's a. I mean, I'm a. As people know, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Or people who know me personally know I'm a Doctor Who nut. And uh, it's like my Christmas when you get a new Doctor. So it's handy. They always seem to put these episodes out on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. And I really, I really, really liked him from. 
first second he came on screen and he came out of the TARDIS and he looked through the snow at a, the lady walking towards the church and he looks concerned and full of emotion and a little bit upset. And and the reason why is it answered later in the episode, you knew instantly he can act. He's going to be, he looks like a doctor yeah. instantly. And I, I liked, I don't know whether I imagined it, but I, I saw a lot of little echoes of previous doctors coming through. That'll be, that's a definite thing you will have done. You would have yeah. watched. And cool. the thing is, because you know, always got to remember with Doctor, with Doctor Who is, the Doctor is everyone who came before him. Yes. And that there was there was some nice little flashes of that where you go, oh, that's a that's a Colin Baker line. Oh, you mm. know. So so you 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 obviously had the Peter Capaldi when he was rude and she said terrible things happened to me and he says she says I'm going to die one day in an accident and he goes oh no it's worse than that I thought that's just Peter Capaldi talking just giving it yeah to yeah. You. You blunt. And then when he did the, oh, I'm just having a laugh. I'm just passing through. I was going, that's Patrick Troughton, the cosmic hobo. The idea that he's yeah. just on this this galactic tour, just having fun. And there were little yeah. flashes like that. And I just, I, I thought it was brilliant. And I, I, you know, I'm just gutted that it's not on tonight again. You know, the next episode. But the the trailers out, the trailers out for the series. And me and my son sat down and analysed series one and. The Beatles are in it, and yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of exciting stuff. Yeah, it's 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 funny it, the way Doctor Who kind of has stood the test of time, even through the dodgy AC stuff. And it, and it's funny how like the TARDIS is just so iconic in every way, isn't it? Mm. Like the word TARDIS has become is, is in the common vernacular. If you go yes. if you go in somewhere that is bigger on the inside, it appears to be bigger on the inside than the outside. You'll say it's like a TARDIS, isn't you? Yes. It's funny, isn't it? And and the way the design, it's like it's never changed, and just people just don't notice it. I loved, I loved that idea that he's got this thing that sticks out, but people just don't notice it. Yeah. The only thing is, if I was the Doctor, and I had this entire universe inside a police box that I could configure to be exactly how, how I wanted. Yeah. I wouldn't go around the galaxy. I'd go around the TARDIS. I'd just go right. I'm going to create me the infinite pinball room. Or <laughs> I want to I want a bed that floats. Oh, the uncrushed childhood dreams room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'd do. I don't know. You can like, the original version of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. As long as I had Zoom so I could play Warhammer on, on a, a Thursday, Thursday night, <laughs> I'd be fine. I'd never leave the house. <laughs> never leave the TARDIS. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd walk down the TARDIS and I'd go to the curry on pizza shop. Of a, of oh, a God, you're living a dream now, aren't you? <laughs> for some a nightmare, for you a dream. But yeah, but yet yeah, Doctor Who, very exciting. I tell you what it makes me want to do, though, and this is what? really weird. When in my youth, when I first went to college, I met the only other person in my youth who liked to DM, Games Master, Dungeon Master, who mm -hmm. liked to run stuff. And he was, he was a brilliant Dungeon Master, really brilliant. And his... System of choice was uh, FASA Doctor Who. Oh, really? And he had all the box sets, and they were really, really good stories. And the one thing that I really remember from his time in Games Mastering is he was an absolute expert at putting the poop up people, the Doctor Who scares. You know, having that, that second when it 
the door opened and it was a Cyberman there, you get an audible gasp around the table. He was just the, yeah. he was the master of atmosphere. And it makes me want to play Doctor Who, the role-playing game again. I've never played it, but I've heard it's really good. It probably is. Yeah, I've heard it's really get it kind of gets how it went to work. And you play people attached to the Doctor, you don't play the Doctor, do you? I don't know. I don't know. But I'd like to play right. some scary Doctor Who stuff. Some of the scary stuff. The stuff that scared me as a child. See, it's the only one the only I mean, I never found I never found Dalek scary. To be honest, I never found I found the original Cybermen more scary than the new ones because they're more the new ones are more like robots, whereas yes. the original Cybermen moved like people. Yes, and they talk, they talk like this. They talk like this. We are the Cybermen. <laughs> Sorry, that's, yeah. an, that's an in joke in my family because we really like the old doctors. Me and my my kids. And occasionally we will have evenings where we talk to each other like Cybermen. <laughs> Just like that. Do you want some more chicken korma on your pizza? <laughs> That's exactly what we do. And then, and then, do you want some silver foil on top? Yeah. Uh, what? Silver foil? <laughs> silver foil. Yeah, because that's what Cybermen must eat metal. Not gold. Oh, obviously. yeah, of course they gold, do. Gold kills them. Which. I mean, there's not much, not much worry about that, is there? <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know because I've been to a lot of Doctor Who conventions because I'm a proper geek, and when you see them in real life, they are terrifying. So I worry that what happens is they make these because they're you know these people that make the sort of Doctor Who sets. It's it's we've become a Doctor Who podcast. Uh, these <laughs> people. Oh, timey wimey. Um, so these people that make the do <laughs> Doctor Who costumes in real life. They must get somebody and put them in this new Cyberman outfit, and they it, it, and they do look terrifying. I've been to the Doctor Who conventions and seen yeah. that cool stuff from the TV show, frightening. And then you put it on TV and you go, "Yeah, it looks like a plank. What a wall!" Suit made of tinfoil. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it sort of translates how scary it is from from the costume department to the television. Yeah, I don't think it does. I think I think and it's I think it's a lot to do with lighting lighting and direction to be honest because I reckon if you got a really good horror director they could make the Cybermen terrifying and give them a good voice like this. <laughs> but all they say is delete in this one, isn't it? Delete. Delete. Yeah. I tell you what they do like with the extras and I notice this with the uh in the uh, David Tennant episodes, there was a bit where the unit soldiers got possessed and they love a little bit of marching. The actors do. Oh, they do, don't they? Yeah. Uh, oh, we, we, this is the day where we get to march. Oh, I'm so <laughs> excited, Deirdre. Why? We're going to be marching for four hours in Cardiff in the freezing cold <laughs> while they film. I love a march. Go, oh, right. On television, it's the most unfrightening thing of all. Oh, it's yeah, just, it is, yeah. Looks frightening. You go, that looks a bit stupid. You look like the minute anyone gets possessed, they suddenly don't become themselves, which is defeats the entire <laughs> object of possession. Because yes. the whole point of possession is you meant no one's meant to notice. <laughs> That's it. And you don't march. Don't march. You look like five year olds doing the nativity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't march. So oh, yeah. God. So yeah, maybe that's one of my New Year's resolutions then. Maybe dig out a Doctor Who role-playing game because there is the um now you've got two 
great games done by Cubicle. Yeah. You've got you've got the um, I think it's a two D six method, and I've got all of that, mm. and, I've, and not not played it. And then you've got the Doctors and Daleks fifth edition version. Yeah, yeah. It's it. I mean, I'm, I'm not that big of a of a Whovian mm. to uh to 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 make me kind of me mission to play to play Doctor Who. But I wouldn't say I'd play at a convention, I think. Yeah. You know. do, something, do something scary. Yeah, I've got some gaming news, but it's right. – what, what, what is it before it's news? Before It's like, a, it's like predictions. Yeah. Because normally, and, and people have mentioned this to me, I quite often talk about things that are currently being kick-started – because that's the way you get new stuff nowadays. You go on a Kickstarter mm. and you back Is that what that woman in the butchers that she says here? Yeah, she says. You need to give me the news quicker, Griff, because by the time I get to this podcast, it's all been, it's all wrapped it's all, up. It's all gone. It's all gone. And then I can't get the games. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of research. And what I've been mm-hmm. doing, a lot of people now get you to sign up before Kickstarters. Yeah. Because they want to, and, and normally you get like a little something for doing it which is a bit of a hint to people. Yeah, you spend a dollar to register and they give you like a pin badge or something, something mm. absolutely limited, which is quite neat. And they get to, and they do it so they know how big the Kickstarter is going to be. Yeah. They can predict their stretch goals. They can work out, is it even worth us doing it? So I've, I've been researching stuff that is signing up for Kickstarters in January. Okay. And I've managed to find some really decent horror ones. So I'm going to run okay. them by you and see if you think it vibes with you. Okay, go ahead. Okay, then. So the first one is called uh, Memento Mori, and it's by an Italian company called Two Little Mice, and I believe there's going to be an Italian and an English language version. And this one's coming to back a kit at the end of January. So it's 14th century Europe. Okay. You've got the bubonic plague. And you're okay. definitely you're definitely gonna die. Like definitely gonna die in the next couple of weeks. And you've got one thing that you want to achieve before you die. That is the mm-hmm. setup for the game. So you play drifters wandering through this hellscape. People think it's the end of the world. I mean, literally, it's like COVID all over again. But instead of locking you in, you have to go wandering across Spain and France and Germany. Spreading the disease. Spreading the disease as you go. And as you all like slowly, your body's falling to pieces and you're dying and you know the inevitable's on its way. You can see the Green Reaper waving to you out of the uh, Korean pizza shop just in the doorway. (laughs) That'd be a bit of a snack. Um, The Indian immigrants in Italy, yeah. yeah. But as you get closer to death, you can start to see beyond the veil at actual supernatural creatures and monsters and the horrors that are waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And you've got to sort of, they, they could hinder you as you try to sort of do what they call your one last dream. Your, your thing before you die, you want to achieve. You have these things that appear that can either aid you or become obstacles, you know, that are things from beyond the grave, monstrosities and horror from beyond the grave. And, the entire pitch of it is that it's grim, dark horror. I mean, yeah. it, it's like Warhammer, but instead of waiting to get infected by a beast man, you start with a lethal disease that's going to kill you 
in seven to eight sessions, which is what a campaign is supposed to be. Then at the okay. end of the day. And I, th- I think, and the, so I've, I've downloaded, it's available on drive through RPG. Um, you can download the quick start. The art is beautiful. The, uh, you know, the words, it's really well presented. It does seem like a really horrible way to spend two months, but a lot of fun. And I think that's going to be one to watch for horror yeah, game. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Short shelf life. Mm-hmm. But you know, as they say, you know, the candle that burns twice as bright, uh, yes. you know, burns half as long. And so, you know, a seven to eight week campaign that's done really well could be way more memorable than the one mm. you spend twelve months playing. And there's no um, messing. Up, there's no messing about arguing with your group, going, "Oh, should yeah. we do this? Should we do? Can I spend four weeks crafting a magic sword?" No, you, no. you you're on a you're on a deadline, which means yeah, a literal deadline. Yeah. You've yeah. got urgency, you've got agency. And also, I think there's the opportunity for characters to do slightly wicked, horrible things. To, If they're desperate to yeah. get something done, what would they actually do to achieve what they wanted? So I think it's got, I think it's got a lot of horror levers to pull. I think that's it sounds good. like the kind of thing that could, that would be a convention game. Yes. A single session convention game. Um not that there's anything wrong with that, because there's plenty of games that I mean, like we I played uh, Elf Quest at the last Grog Meet, and that just to me felt like a convention game. Hmm. But I, I didn't think there was much beyond what we were and what we were doing, and it was very enjoyable. But the, the certain games that you think they're campaign games, and the certain games that you think they're short run games, and that's hmm. obviously that's designed to be a short run game. Yeah, and I, I think a really good GM would organise it just long enough for everybody to get that in-group, you know, that in-group vibe where you start to know each other's characters and care about mm. each other and you've got each other's back. Get the players to just start liking their characters before they and all drop their head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And go, it's you a, never play them again. It's like it's quite a tragic game though, isn't it? Try, yeah, I think it's a clever game. I think yeah. it's pulling on a lot of stuff that other people don't. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of games, as we know, as lifelong gamers if you get eight sessions out of them you've done blooming well you know yeah yeah so so many games i mean i've got a thousand games on my shelf some of them have only come out for one or two sessions before the next hot things come along so the idea yeah the idea of a seven to eight session game uh, as uh, like a limited tv show on netflix before they can you before they go sorry everybody loves this but we're not making any more yeah, like uh, Glow. Yes, like Glow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love, and we both love that. I love Glow as well. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems to happen a bit. And yet you get absolute junk. That seems to get third and fourth seasons. I don't get it. But I don't have Netflix anyway. But um, yeah, it, it, it does sound like it could be a, a short, sweet thing. Yeah, and it's got beautiful, dark, horrible art. You know, it's it's right. it's a thing of uh, sort of beautiful nastiness. Looking at the art, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's one that I've signed up for, and I'm probably probably going to back it. Going to get it in print, kind of thing. Are you? Yeah, I think so. I think it looks it looks. Is really, the deluxe version of it a nicely? Was it just I, a normal book? I think I think for that one, there is just a normal book. Yeah, I think a small. I mean, I've not heard of them before. You know, to my shame, but I'm really impressed with the the uh, 
quick start and that's available to it's, it's pay what you want so i gave them a dollar because yeah. i'm saving yeah, my money I'm, I'm paying i'm just going to save my money for the actual main event yeah, yeah that's fair enough yeah so what's the next one you've got then the next one there's only one thing i don't like about this and see if you can spot it Go by on. the end of it see if you could tell what i don't like you you might on. see it on the way okay then it's called can you see them by dm dave publishing and that's coming out in mid january on i believe that's also on backer kit and what this is it's an rpg scenario for the year zero engine and i i'd, I'd not heard of this company before so i went and you can actually pay what you want for their year zero engine, uh, which is Free League Publishing's in house engine. Quite yeah, nice. that's the dice pool. Yeah. You throw a dice pool. The idea is you get more dice, the better things are for you. You only have to have one dice show of six to get a success. If you yeah. fail, you could push it, but then the ones mean bad stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. So it's got, it's got this lovely pushing mechanic. And they've actually, uh, DM Dave Publishing, have done something. I don't know how they got away with this. It's called the Horror RPG. Um, right. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's been taken by lots of games before. But but I downloaded it and I had a look, and it's a really neat horror implementation of the Year Zero engine. Right. And it's, and it's really sweet. So... So they've now got something that you can play with this base engine they've got, or can you see them? And the theme is what I would call descent into madness. Right. And you, you and your fellow players wake up in the 1980s. It's set in the 1980s. You work, wake up in a storage unit, you know, like shipping container. Yeah. You open it and you're, everything's fine. You're in, your quaint Oklahoma town. But as you start investigating this town that you're all from, everybody's vanished like the Marie Celeste. So, you know, there are uh, things cooking on stoves. There are children's bikes with wheels still going, all that sort of stuff. Everybody's vanished and you're the only people left in your town. And then of a nighttime, the things come for you. Right. And, it's hard to get across just how good their writing is in their pitch that just off that and the fact that they're supposed to be very smart and clever enemies, villains, monsters, I think that's going to be a corker, corking scenario. Mm. Yeah, it's good because it, I love it because it's got like a really simple and beautifully written pitch. One idea for you to understand. Why the shipping container? I don't know. I'm sure there's a clue in there somewhere. There's, it, it's going to all be revealed, I guess, if you back the Kickstarter, get the scenario, read it, and run it. Mm. I like it because there's a lot of stuff nowadays, because I'm old, where there's too many ideas, and I'm going, I don't get it. Yeah, but, I know what you mean, yeah. It's nice to have it, one really good, clear-cut, simple idea, isn't it? Yeah. And I do like this idea that you just play normal people and – you've got this mystery to solve and you've got this idea, this like, uh, is it 40 days and 40 nights mm. where a dark, when it gets dark, that's when the bad things happen. So you've got like a little, a little bit of urgency in it, a little bit of a clock. Yeah. I don't, 
And and to be honest, I want to get it because I want to know, is it vampires? Is it werewolves? Or, or is it something you've never thought of? Or something you've never yeah. thought of, which is what I'm hoping. Hmm. But I, I, I think uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a good scenario. So so the thing that, that you don't like about it then, give me a clue. Sounds like a wedding DJ. DM Dave Publishing. <laughs> like DJ Dave. Wait. <laughs> An old, an old DM. You see a DM called Dave, who's decided to publish a book. It's yeah, DM Dave who decided to call publish a book could have called it Dragon Breath Publishing. Yeah, that doesn't really fit though, does it? But then what? Brain does? smoke. But D- brain DM. smoke. Brain smoke. Green. Oh, that's smoke. a better name than DM Dave. Yeah, DM Dave. Brain smoke publishing. It's not. I mean, I've got. I, I work with guys named Dave. Yeah, true. And there's a TV channel that plays Only Fools and Horses on the 24 hour loop. Yeah. Called Dave. Dave. DM yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah. DJ Steve, the best DJ for weddings <laughs> in Oldham. You know, and you know when he turns up, it's going to be a blow. Have you heard of, DM, of, of DJ Steve? He's great. <laughs> yeah. Turns up in his Hawaiian shirt, yeah. tucked into his jeans with his comb over. And he's playing ABBA for you at the wedding. Talks all the way through the songs. <laughs> yeah, like me. Yeah. <laughs> but, so that's the only thing. That's the only thing. When I read it, I went, how do you promote somebody called DM Dave? But uh, I guess, I mean, I might not know. He might be somebody massive on social media. Yeah. It's just a shame that he didn't, before he got massive, got a better name for himself. Yeah. Metatron. I mean, that's a bit, that's a bit. It's like pretentious to a degree, isn't it? The Iron Wizard. That's what. I'd, that's what I'd call myself if I had a YouTube channel. Yeah, I know. Brain smoke's better. Brain smoke. Yeah, yeah. I'll get that. I'll, I'll I'll sign that up later. <laughs> but but I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry, Dave. It, it's uh, but it does look a really good pitch, and you you know you, you and that idea where it's all familiar, all quaint, yeah, clever, like it. Mm, okay. Okay then. What's my the last one then? The next one, this has got me written all over it, and it's uh, Veil of Eternal Night by Quasi-Real Publishing. Okay. And Quasi-Real Publishing are a fairly new company, but they've already had like a fairly successful Kickstarter for their Mythcraft RPG, which Mythcraft, if you don't know it, it kickstarted, it was really successful. It's a, a slight... A slightly meatier and chunkier version of Dungeons and Dragons. It's very familiar. Right. So it's going to have backgrounds, archetypes, classes, levels. So they've got this game, Mythcraft, and this is the, their next project, which is a campaign, but it is a gothic grimdark campaign. And in the campaign, it's set in a place called North Spina. So if you imagine gothic city cityscapes, you know, great big, huge, overly huge gothic cathedrals and uh, and fog and mist, and then you've got big, surrounded by sort of Transylvanian forests where wealth can hang out. It's that sort of world, like Castlevania. And in the game... Uh, you Sounds like Vason, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, no. If you, if you imagine, like... 17th century medieval Europe, you've got your rapiers, you've got your 
uh, they appear in every role-playing game now. You know those plague doctors with the crow's mask? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all that sort of vibe. and it's, But it's got me written all over it. Hellboy, Castlevania, that sort of stuff. But yeah. the pitch is really good. The pitch is really good. They've got a great one-line pitch, which sort of explains the campaign. Take a stand against the vampire overlords. Perfect. You know you're going to be playing rebels in a world where vampires rule it. Your job is to kick them in. Stake them through the chest. Yeah, but you, you know, deep down, that's never going to happen, though, don't you? If I'm involved, it will. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because, I, 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 you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking how I would overthrow vampire overlords. Do you know what? If there was anyone else, I would doubt that they'd, they'd done that, but I, I know you have. I've got it all set up, like the cell I system, where I'd put all the weapons, caches, how I'd wheedle out traitors. Awesome. Do you know what I think about often? What's that? You know, if the Walking Dead happened now and there were suddenly zombies at your door, what would you do? What would you do? Well, I would get up on the roof. Yeah. See, we don't have a loft anymore. We've got a loft room. Mm. But there's, there's, there's three flights of stairs to get to the room. So the zombies would be knackered by the time they get up there. <laughs> well, um, it could, it could I, I would be barricade like... the top of the stairs. Yeah. And get out on on the uh, and I, I've, worked, I've already worked that I was I would live, I would live on the rooftops and, and build bridges of planks of wood between the different houses. But what happens if it's like World War Z where they can climb the walls really quickly? Oh well, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking the Walking Dead, not World War Z. You think the Z? Walking Dead, World War Z? Yeah, I yeah. was thinking about it earlier. I was thinking you're not allowed. Shopping malls are ruled out because that's what everybody would do. The I don't even understand why. Why would you go to a shopping mall? It's a big open space. I think it's because they, they don't have to pay for stuff anymore. Yeah, mm. I know it's provisions and all that, but I often think that, you know, we, we would probably barricade the end of the street with cars. Yes. Pile stuff high because, because zombies can't generally climb. No. They can press up against something, but it doesn't matter how many there are. They're not going to move a load of cars, are they, by pressing up they're, against they're, them? They're not, they're not the most organised of creatures. They don't work well together, do and, they? And one thing I've noticed as well is people always have this idea to have a big long stick with a knife on the end, and they do one or two of them, mm. and then don't do any more. I would stand there all day stabbing zombies in the head. Just because it's fun. A, just because it's fun, but also living around here, it might be someone I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know... <laughs> I would, I would let them let them come and be, be from somewhere safety with a, a big long stick with a really sharp knife in the end, just stabbing them. And yeah. I would do that all day long. Yeah, I was thinking about it earlier in my uh, in my childhood. Where where would I have gone? Because I was born in like a rough, just a working class area, just a big council estate. Oh yes, yeah, so was I. We didn't we didn't get we got a shopping our first shopping centre in the early nineteen nineties. Merry Hill, now called Merry Hell. It's now a zombie shopping centre because of the British economy. Uh, <laughs> where I would go would have been Dudley Zoo, as long as the the animals couldn't get turned into zombies, because then you could have a load of fun, like letting lions and tigers out. Yeah, but they'd eat you. But I'd be really nice to them first. Yeah, the, and uh, lions and that don't care how nice you are to them. They will eat I, you. I'll dress up as a zombie 
and I'll poke them with that stick you've got. I'd borrow that stick off you. I'd poke them dressed up as a zombie. <laughs> and then I'd let I'd take I'd take the zombie outfit off and open the door and the line would come out going, Where's that zombie that was hitting me yeah, with the- could, could you imagine a zombie chimpanzee? That'd be terrifying. Uh, that would be awesome. He'd be on the roof. He'd be on the roof. Oh, absolutely. You. In two minutes they'd be on the roof, wouldn't they? Yeah. I'd be trying to volley them off. You know what you'd need in that situation? What? Monkey Man of New Delhi. <laughs> As, as a as a friend, you know, he can roller skating across the room, would he? Yeah, with his claws fighting the chimpanzee zombies off. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. But I'd, I, I think I'd go to I, if I had the choice, and and it worked. The rules worked in the way I wanted them to work. I'd go to the zoo. See, if I'm, I think if it was suddenly you know like human occupied landfill, you know, kind of or all flesh must be eaten, where you, you in your house. I haven't. I haven't think yet. I'll be I'll get everyone upstairs, um, and because we've got we've got sash windows as well, so we can easily get onto the roof. Yeah, um, and just sit on the roof until it died down slightly, and then I would to survive. The, I think there's a couple of people in our neighbourhood that've got solar. Yes, I'd I'd run big long wires. I'd make sure they got eaten. I'd break into the house and open the doors to so make sure they got eaten, and then I'd run run big wires. Um, across the rooftops of the solar to power all my fridge and, uh, and yeah. the Xbox. <laughs> See, I couldn't. I I couldn't do that plan. Why? Because in my attic, I've got bats, and they're protected. Yeah. So I'm yeah, not. Yeah, but who's protecting them? Everyone's been turned into zombies. The zombie RSPB is a batter bird. I think so. I think it would. It's weird, isn't it? Because they evolved. Because of birds, didn't he? Yeah. The night birds, essentially. Yeah. So the uh, zombie RSPB or RSPCA officers, they might come going, oh, you're not allowed in the attic because the bats. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've got the bats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I can't imagine a zombie attack where I live because it's so boring. I don't <laughs> think zombies, are, I mean, they've only got one interest and that's brains. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, that, that's what I would do anyway. I'd, I'd, I'd find the most defend, defendable position. I would try and board up the ends of the street mm. and to stop not only that, but the humans are worse than the zombies and the zombie apocalypse. I'd, I'd rather have the zombies than the people. And to be fair, so would I. Yes. So uh, prison. Prison might be another good one. A band, you know, like uh, Shrewsbury. Yeah, but that was in The Walking Dead, wasn't it? Yeah, Shrewsbury Prison, though. They uh, empty now. Nobody lives there. A little bit of black mold. Uh, they do ghost hunts of a weekend yeah. there and historical tours. And they've got a cafeteria. So, you know. They, Which, they, so you'd have to live off packets of crisps and uh, cups of tea done in the uh, machine. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, you'd, I, I think I'd be like feeding myself to the zombies by the end of the week. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I don't know. It depends on how many flavors of crisps they've got. I mean, to be honest, where, where I live, we've got allotments. Very good. So we we, we would grow those all. It's full of food. Trouble is, though, by the time you've grown a couple of cucumbers or a turnip, I'd have got through eight boxes of uh, quavers. <laughs> <laughs> Sit there with the, you know, I wouldn't be very particularly healthy, but I mean... You'd be alive. But I'd be alive. And, and to be honest, a little bit of cholesterol um, in a zombie apocalypse isn't a terrible thing to have. You could no. have worse. You could have, yeah. Worse. You could have zombie disease. 
Yes. And that and, and there's no cure for that. No. No. Any so, so this, have you got any more then? Oh, oh just just to finish off on the Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, this is one that might interest people. And this is this is uh like a new thing I've noticed. To get noticed in Kickstarters, you have to have a lot of things nowadays. If you're if you're competing in that Dungeons and Dragons space, you'd better have an epic Kickstarter. Mm. And this is fairly epic. So as part of the Kickstarter, you can also get the standard stuff. So you can get um dice, custom dice mm-hmm. for the game. Uh you can there's a soundtrack, which is really cool. I like a little bit of a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um a range of miniatures for their grim dark horror monstrosities, which is also mm-hmm. a really cool thing. And tarot deck, which, you know, there's a a lot of people are including tarot decks now, but this apparently has got mechanical use. And I just yeah. think I think if you're if you're into the spooky gothic Castlevania type game, I think it's gonna be a corker. And I bet, I bet, I bet you it gets heavily back. Yeah, probably. Yeah, people do like that kind of thing. Any, but if there's any squeaks. That's my chair, by the way. We haven't got like a ghost or mice or anything like that. Which you would can you want to do that, can't you? Wait, wait, yeah, I can. Which would you? Ra- yeah. Which would you rather not have? I'd rather not have ghosts. Mice, I just buy a cat and I'm sorted. Yeah. Un- unless the unless the uh, the cats secretly a reincarnated serial killer. Isn't that all cats? My cat, I, I was thinking that yesterday. My cat was on my chest and he was digging his claws in because he was happy. And I was thinking, you're Fred West. <laughs> Honestly. My cat, my cat was born on the day Fred West hung himself in prison. So. Really? Yeah. It, it's it's a, reincarnate, it's, it went. Drag and drop, drag and drop soul. Mm. So that, that's my news. I think there's some some good ones. It sounds sounds like some interesting stuff, but there does seem to be, apart from the last one, there does seem to be a kind of a hidden world thing going on, doesn't there? And the other two, like can you see them? And then there's like the bubonic plague, people who can see things that no one else can see. And but I suppose a lot of horror is that, though, isn't it? Yeah, and it's good. It's a good. It's a good kind of horror, I think. Mm. Uh, whereas the third one, I think, is a little bit more. Spooky rom. Hmm. I think good stuff. Okay, so let's talk about now. I know we've we've done this before, but let's talk about some future guests we're going to have on because I've had a lot of confirmation recently. Mm. So our next our next guest, and we're not going to have people on every week because we don't want to have people on every week. We want it to be on our terms. And I know there's a lot of podcasts out there that feel like they don't have some sort of special guest on each week. People are going to stop listening, but I don't think that. I don't think people listen to us for the special guests, maybe with the exception of Dennis Detweller. Yeah. Although the John, the John Tynes one did well as well. So the, the, our next guest is 9th of January. We're going to be speaking to him. So we're talking maybe 10 days later, everyone will be able to stay at the podcast, is Andy Law. Now, you may know Andy Law from, he's got the, the Lawhammer YouTube channel. Very good. And he lives in Edinburgh, Scotland, and he's one of the lead designers on Warhammer 2nd Edition and Warhammer 4th Edition. And he's an artist as well, but his other one is he's the cartographer to, for the Taldaray setting for Critical Role. Brilliant. So we'll get a chance to uh, to maybe have a chat with him about that. Um, but other other ones we've got come uh, upcoming is we've got we've got Adam Scott Glancy, one of the Delta Green team, the the, the guy who wrote Iconoclasts amongst other things, 
I say Adam's quite keen to come on and have a chat. Well, and that should be that should be interesting because he's I think he's now the guy who runs Pagan mm. Pagan Publishing. So that should be fun. Um, we've got I asked ages ago. I asked Caleb Stokes. Um, if you would like to come on and chat about God's Teeth when it gets released, but I'm going to wait for it to come into print because that's when I'll, I'll sit and read it. Yes. Uh, the, the PDFs are fine and all that, but I'd like to sit and read a book. Also, I asked a while back, I asked uh, Pell and Johan, who did Merkborg, if they'd like to come on, because I think Merkborg is right up our street. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, 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 no, I wouldn't even call it grimdark. It's like hell dark, isn't it? Yeah. It's an awful place populated by awful people. I think the, there are certain games, I think, that should be on every role-player shelf, whether they play them or not, and that's one of them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, 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 it's just an example of how to do a book differently than everyone else's, Yeah, but in the best way. And last but not least, I mean, this is not for the full year. This is just people have asked and who've said yes, is Shane Ivey. Brilliant. Um, one of the, one could argue, along with Dennis, the, like the top guy at Dark Dream Publishing, um, I ran Delta Green for Shane Ivy a couple of years ago. And so I'd like to just talk about why he hated my game so much. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, I'd like to talk to him about um, what's upcoming for Delta Green, you know, the usual kind of things. Um, so that should be fun. And at some point, we're going to have Josh Fox on, who's uh, the guy who did Lovecraft esque. Brilliant. So, um, but I said to him, wait till it's in print and maybe send one of us a copy so we can actually play it before we talk to you about it. And he was like, yep. Yeah. That's that's fine, kind of thing. So I don't think we'll struggle to get players for that either. No, there's a lot of a lot of people mm. are interested in that. Yeah. So yeah. So that's uh, that's not for the year. That's just the next few. Mm. I mean, my, my aim since I started this was always to get all of the Delta Green guys on, and we are forty percent through it. Forty percent. Yeah. There's only five of them. That's really cool. You forget, don't you? You for, you you forget about five colossi. Of horror gaming, yeah, you know, and I mean, obviously, Caleb is is the kind of new guy, and he got he got God's Teeth published because he he ran it on this like uh, this like a podcasty public radio thing, and people loved it. Mm. And um, if you say what, if you want a protagonist in that, that you would never dream to be what it is, it's genius. What he's what he's done with with it. it's 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 someone from the Cthulhu mythos. It's one of the the big powers in the Cthulhu mythos, but how you've never would have imagined it could be used. Oh, that's really cool. Mm. I'm really looking forward. I'm 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 going to struggle with that one a little bit because that's one I want to play. So I obviously can't read the book before we play it. Well, maybe so. we will play. I, I, you yeah, know, I you missed out on Impossible Landscapes. Maybe I could run God's Teeth. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Yeah, because uh, I know a couple of other people like uh, Scott and Keith from the Titter Pigs. They'd be well up for it. I know Pookie probably be up for it as well. Okay, so we're going to do now do uh, part two of our eight hundred part series on cryptids that Griff believes in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of them. All of them, yeah. Except all of them. The di- the difference with this one is, Griff has already told me in advance that that one that one of these is not made up. They're all allegedly real. And so we're going to do what we did last time and discuss whether what what we think the chances are of them actually being real are. Yes. Of course, we don't. We know what Griff he already thinks they're all real. So. <laughs> so hit me with it, Griff. What's what's the first one? Okay, then. So I want to imagine. Wallerton Park, Nottingham, 1979. Okay. Imagine you're there. I don't know where Wallerton Park is. It, it's a park called Wallerton Park in Nottingham. That's all you need to know. Oh, well, so okay. just think of, a, think of a council park. Shri- trees, shrubbery. Hands everywhere. The swings. 
cans of what the remnants of old fires. Yeah. yeah, and you you got you got flares on. Yeah, and bad teeth because you're British. Yeah. So you, you're with your friends, small group of children, skipping through in the afternoon sun to play in the park when thirty tiny cars come out the bushes, tiny cars, and each car is a little man, half the size of you. And they're driving these cars around you and chasing you in their cars. And the cars are driven by gnomes, tiny little gnomes wearing tights, white shoes with white beards that are red at the end, right? To make it even scarier. That's scary. That's scary. To make it scarier, no steering wheels. These cars can jump logs. And the chase you, the kids are all jumping over logs and uh, no steering wheels, triangular lights flashing at you. And the kids went home and they were interviewed on the newsletter because they told their parents. And uh, uh, these are the Wallerton Park gnomes. And this, there is archive footage of the children being interviewed and telling the stories. And the really sinister thing about this, I think, and this is what makes it scary for me, it didn't happen on one night. It turned out that kids on the estate had seen these weird little gnomes driving around the park, accompanied by what can only be described as a UFO. Accompanied by a, a man with a remote control. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd have to be he'd have to be really good though. That'd be impressive. Because he'd have 30 remote control cars with little tiny men in them. But these they, but they came out. They came out, scared the kids. People went looking for the Wallerton Park gnomes. And to this day, the kids that have witnessed it, who would, I guess, be about our age now, swear blind it happened. But this is where it gets spookier. When paranormal investigators have researched the history, they found historical accounts in Wallerton Park of similar situations. So people have been talking about this for hundreds of years. In 1900... Imagine this, you're Mrs. C. George, so you're a Victorian lady, and you're walking through and you get to the gates and there's 30 little men dressed as police officers. 30 little men, two to three feet tall, and they take off and they start dancing around the lake, doing like some kind of weird little norm dance. And when they talk to you, they're just talking a little nonsense language. And then if you go into the records even further back, Jean Dixon claims she saw gnomes in Wallerton Park who walked ahead of her, pointing, talking gibberish, and pointing at things they liked, like sort of point, and go, ooh, ooh, like those sort of voices, ooh. Griff, how did you tell that story with a straight face? Because it's, it's scary, It's not scary the slightest. It's, it's overactive kids' imagination. Right, okay, okay. Who who was the known car manufacturer? Don't know. Because but the, oh, but the triangular light was so important. Why? Oh, because it was like weird. Because in at the time in the nineteen seventies and to this day, car lights are round. So to have a triangular triangular light—that's the weird thing about weird. this. <laughs> it is, and you know, Jean Dixon. Mrs. C. George, they also claim. But when researchers have investigated this, trying to work out what's going on, because these gnomes allegedly 
come out of holes in trees and in the bushes and in the ground. They did a survey. Uh, the Caves of Nottingham Regeneration Project did a survey of the area, and they found 500 sandstone caves they didn't know about. So who's to say the gnomes don't live underground and then come out and dance around the lakes? Where, where to begin? Where to begin with this? Right. Anywhere you want. Right. So what was stopping kids being told this legend and just making it up based on that? Well, the researchers did have to really dig. They had to go to like a local library and not... Yeah, but ver- verbal, verbal kind of tradition dictates that what might be hard to find in libraries is not necessarily hard to find out of people. Mm. True. I mean, I mean <sighs> come on. I think I, 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 well, there is this history because there's a, there's a very famous guy that does the fairy census called Simon Young. Um, you know, there's a tradition in Britain of this weird fairy like stuff. And we all know that fairies aren't the nice, innocent things. Oh, do we know uh, that? that do we, or are? do we just suspect that? Don't let, oh, well, they used to, I mean, they kill people. Fairies do. I know the, the whole dragging babies off and all that, but, but let's not get sidetracked here. Let's, let's talk about the gnome cars with no steering wheels. No steering wheels. That was basically uh, sort of before Elon Musk invented his self-driving cars, these gnomes had them sort of in 1979. No, no, they just didn't That's... have a steering wheel. No one said anything about them being self-driving. Um, well, they well they were driving around and chasing the kids and going in circles and they were jumping over logs and I haven't seen one of Elon Musk's Teslas jump a log. Yeah, they haven't. So this, so they have access I, I knew, to I knew this was a bad technology. idea. <laughs> I think but there is a, a zero percent chance of this being real. This is kids making stuff up. Okay, zero, big fat zero. So, so you, you found these sandstone caves with the empty, full of gnomes. That's a lie, isn't it? That's a lie. That's the bit I snuck in as a lie. <laughs> but I think it's the sort of thing, actually. To, to me, what strikes me about the case that's interesting is the UFO link. Because there is this idea that when UFOs appear and reality starts to break down, and when you're confronted with something that is so alien to your psychology that your brain can't comprehend it, that it will fill in blanks. So you have a thing in, in UFOlogy called screen memories, where people who see UFOs quite often see owls or deers, did things with large eyes. And in UFOlogy lore, it is the idea that they've actually seen greys, but their brain can't let them know that they've seen greys, so they fill it in with something that comes from sort of their subconscious. Or... And, and it could be that the fact that these little things were aliens, that's my working hypothesis, that what they actually saw were well, aliens. And to a child, you ain't going to do deer and owl. You're going to do little gnomes. And that's- my working hypothesis. No, what my, I'm not even going to say my working belief is this is absolute tripe that kids have made up. I mean, if these little gnomes had appeared and maybe tried to talk, yeah, okay, you know, you think, well, who knows? Yeah, driving around the little cars, doing little jumps. It's the kind of thing kids fantasize about. And it, what, to be fair, it was the evil Knievel era. Era, so you could imagine one of the kids going, he jumped a bus, 
It jumped a bus on fire. Oh, God, I had an evil Knievel. You should have got a gnome version of it. But you said he was two or three non, feet tall. So the kids would have said so, that they were the same size as them if they were kids. Oh, no, these were like four-foot kids. Well, almost the same size as them then. But there, there is footage of these little children being interviewed for, like, you know, whatever it was at the time, whatever the TV Okay, so, so I'm going to let you into a little secret about kids. You need to brace yourself slightly for this. Kids lie all the time. No, don't spoil They lie all the time for attention. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. That they, I'll, I'll, I would bet I'll give, my house deeds. I'll give that a 1% chance. I'll, be, I'll give that 1% chance that it's kids lying. I, I give it 100% chance that it was kids lying. I, yeah. And not even a grain of truth in this. I think it's just something they just came up with and just over-elaborated on. Like, like driving around in cars. But guess what? They didn't have steering wheel. You can just imagine it. Like that somehow is the most weird thing about little gnomes driving cars. <laughs> I tell you what we ought to do. I reckon we should go on an investigation and spend a night in Wallet. I'm not going anywhere near nothing of a night. It's dangerous. My missus is yeah, the gnomes. My missus is from Derbyshire and she wouldn't go to Nottingham of the night. It's yeah, genuinely gnomes. dangerous. Sorry for people from Nottingham, but it really is. I come from Liverpool, but Liverpool's been is been proven to be one of the safest cities in the UK. So yeah, but I do like the idea with this cryptid. If we're going to call them cryptid, no, let's call let's let's call them what they are made up. Okay, what's good is that the kids were so good they went to the library and faked historical records to make their story make sense. That was just one of them's been told it, and they they've just repeated it and over elaborated it. Well, well, there were two ladies at two different. Maybe times the first was lady being... was maybe mentally ill, and they were just kids talking to her, and she saw them. Or little policemen, actual little policemen. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, why would he dressed up as policemen? Was it a disguise? <laughs> Did they do it to blend in when they couldn't speak English and were three feet tall? Come on. Everybody trusts a policeman in those days. Uh, that that, that is would. true to a large degree. But no, so but if no. you were gonna put no. If you were gonna put an idea in somebody's head to be trusted, Griff, if you were no. a no, no, it's it's, okay. it's it's not true. It's just total nonsense. We'll 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 agree to disagree. We'll, no, 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 we're, no. We're just gonna. <laughs> that's fifty percent because I one hundred percent believe in it. You zero percent believe in it. So really, it's fifty percent. No, no, it's no, it's not. I I I, 50, I believe in it minus one hundred percent. <laughs> okay then go on hit. i'm gonna move on to the next one then the next one the next one also has some scientific sorry some historical okay basis. okay okay so imagine you're in frederick county maryland in the 19 sorry 1730s 1730s okay. you're a german immigrant me and you are walking along and I just vanish. Mm -hmm. You turn away for a second and I'm gone. Just, you know, a little bit of the fog moving in the air to show that I've vanished. And this was the basis of something called the Snallygaster. And the Snallygaster was so called because it was a quick ghost, Schneller Geist, Snallygaster. And over the years, in, in uh, this 
Frederick County, this has been reported over and over again, but some people have actually seen it. They're, they've got quick eyes. And it's half bird, half reptile, metallic beak with razors instead of teeth, octopus tentacles around its beak, swoops down, snatches people. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Well, you, 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 say that, you say that, but... I think so. February 1909, it, it, it comes and it goes over the years, this creature snatching people, a lot of missing people yeah. about. Murdered by the mates. February... Murdered by the mates and blamed on this thing. Could be. Yeah. All the norms. Wrong, wrong norms country. The <laughs> big long tunnels, have they? Oh, yeah, but... Those sandstone caves go go miles. February 1909, it reappeared. And this time, somebody saw it, and they said, it's got a screech like a locomotive whistle, single blazing red eye. And when it appeared, the Smithsonian Institute offered a bounty for anybody that bought in its hide. They took it seriously. And the then U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt considered postponing an African safari to go hunt it. That's yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. That's not that's well, the president of president of America believed it was real. Well, no, he, he didn't necessarily believe it was real. He wanted to hunt it. He wanted to yeah. see if it was real. He didn't believe it was real. That's that, they're not the same thing, are they? Yeah. Um, they're not. Okay, so name me another animal that flies mm -hmm. that has tentacles. Ryan Octopus. <laughs> Do you say Ryan Octopus? <laughs> flying. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan the Flying Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, okay, these might not be tentacles. They might be some kind of prehensile limbs that just people right. mistake for. Why octopus. would it have razor blades? <laughs> just in case, you know, if it needs to trouble somebody really quickly. So and you have moles with. Moles have those little tentacles, don't they? No, they're not. Ten they're not tentacles. They are the nose. That's its nose, and that's what it uses their their sensors because it's blind. Well, this, well, this it wasn't Shelly blind. Ghost has only one, got why one. would it have one eye? Why would it have one eye? It, I don't know. I know octopus. Uh, sorry, uh, squids and octopus. Oh no, squids have one eye, don't they? I have no idea. I'm thinking uh, maybe I'm. I'm I've got my own delusion here, but I've seen plenty of these kind of <laughs> tentacles open and there's a beak and a single eye, but that maybe I'm just uh, relying too much on TV for that. Yeah. yeah. This, to me, sounds like Guy murders his mate, blames on this this cryptid. And at such a period where there was no newspapers, there was no forensics, there was no way of determining whether it was true. Or it could be real. Or it could be real. And it came over on a boat, you know, when the German immigrants came so over. So have they been spotted in Germany? Uh, oh, yeah. They haven't, have they? No. <laughs> but it might, have been, it, might have been, it might have been because in Germany they all knew about it and they used to go hold hands while we're walking and keep looking at each other. Why would that stop something so that could swoop down and grab you and swoop off? And also, only got one when were the first, you can only see one when were the first locomotives in, uh, in America? Uh, Victorian times, I'd imagine. So, but this was 1909 that they went. So, it coincidentally, made the noise of the mode of transport that was being used at the time. Yeah, yeah, and it had octopus tentacles around its metal beak. 
metal yeah. beak with metal razor right, blades. This sounds like a and d monster a kid's made up. <laughs> I, 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 I would say I didn't believe in this one until an American president who were the most stand-up people on the well, planet. Yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> decided to go hunt it to save his country. He went, I'll tell you what, I'm the president. There's this Schnellegaster going around, this quick ghost. It's my duty to go kill no, it. It's total, total nonsense. It's something someone has made up to cover up bad doings. Oh, me mate, me mate vanished this thing swooped down so quick I didn't see it. But then you did see it because you've described it. Oh, yeah. That, maybe some people got away from it. Uh, but, but, but do we know that? that? You know, we don't. We don't. We don't, we the, don't exactly. No, come on. This, this is a ludicrous as the gnomes. I, I, but no okay, one's then, ever found the body of if, one. And since 1909, there's been nobody's been attacked by them. If it was real, though, it would be terrifying. Right. But that's not what we're to, to to talk about, is it? Cthulhu would be terrifying if he was real. Well, I think this one's got a bit of the Cthulhu about it. With well, the yes, it, the, the, there's the link, and, and the you know the single eye is a bit kind of mythos. But no, just no, just no. Stop. Get some help. Stop. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that one is only slightly more implausible than the gnomes. That is equally as implausible as the gnomes. Equally. Do you believe in it? Okay, no, then. well, you said you think it's implausible. I, 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 more implausible than gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean to say I think it's implausible. So, okay, so I'm going to ask the question, and I think you should give me a straight answer. Do you believe this is real? Um, I think it's got a 20% chance of being real. 20%? So it's a one in five. One in five. Come on, not even one in a million. Why have we never found the body of one of these creatures? Number one, when when there's people involved and someone goes missing as a result of something that swooped down and took them, it's instantly suspicious. It's instantly, they must that. have done it. They must have. If someone, I, I right, it more, it's more plausible to say a bear burst out the woods and grabbed them. Because people were oh. not that smart back then. <laughs> But they, they'd only just got to the country, so they didn't know about the bears. But they knew about the but they knew about Schnellegasters yeah. from the old country. They'd go, oh, just say it's Schnellegaster. We have those all the time in exactly. medieval so, Germany. Exactly. So, so you're buying into my way of thinking here. Just say it's that. Yeah. No, that's 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 as equal. That's that's even more implausible than the gnomes, if that were possible. But people believe this. I mean, it's important to realise that if people believe the it, Earth's flat. Yeah, that's just mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mad some people believe australia exists i've been there it does exist have yeah. you do you know that there are people who believe that australia doesn't exist well it was full of australians and then, <laughs> kangaroos i know but they, they would say that you're like an actor and you've been paid to say australia well, there's a, a lot of actors in the world then and why are they rich <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's people who, who are delusional who really believe this kind of stuff. It, I've been to Australia. I went there to see my brother in 2003. Um, and with a, by when I arrived, the first thing that he said was, watch out for the full web spider in the bathroom. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've been... I've been to metal, my, they have metal beaks and tentacles? No, no, they just have a bite that kills you within two hours. <laughs> they're, actually, oh, right. they're actually real, and they jump at you if they feel threatened. 
Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, okay, then which one's more likely? Neither. Neither are more likely. Austra- no, you got to pick what. That's, he said either or. Right. Australia doesn't exist. Snellagesta does. Oh, that that's like a Sophie's choice. You got to pick one. You got to which. Well, having having been to Australia, I know it exists, so it has to be the Snellagasta. QED. I'm glad we agree on but it. We don't, no, I still think the Snellagasta is utter nonsense. Utter utter nonsense, and it was just used by murderers. I think it'd be terrifying. <laughs> you know, murder them, hide them in the woods somewhere. The animals will get them. Tell everyone it's the Snellagasta. Jobs are good. Okay. But then, but then, it, unfortunately, you, you tell the story, and the US president turns up with his big gun. Yeah, this is the US president that was famous for riding the moose, wasn't it? I think so. Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah yes. he was famous, famous for going out hunting and riding the moose. So you say no more than that, really. Go on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, something more plausible Go on, then. there. I'm going to get you. Uh, this I'm better be more say- plausible. <laughs> I can't. It- <laughs> I think you're missing the point of this section. <laughs> Just me talking nonsense. Okay, then. Go, go back in time. Okay. It's March the 27th. It's the 1980s. Mount St. Helens. Do you remember that going yep. off? All the news. I have no idea why in the UK we needed to know about Mount St. It's Helens. It's just news, isn't it? It's just news. But it, it was on the news for ages. Yeah. But one thing that I didn't realise... Uh, you know, it was a. To be fair, it was a terrible tragedy. Fifty-seven people died, and it was a, like a season-long event because afterwards there were a, there was a landslide, terrible landslide, biggest landslide in U.S. recorded history, which was as devastating as the volcano going off. Okay, caused by the volcano, so an eighty thousand foot plume for days and days, weeks and weeks, months and months. Sky was full of ash, imagine, yeah. ash, yeah. And you're flying an airplane. Yeah. You're a solo, a little solo pilot. Your name is Butch Whitaker, which I think suits. Mm-hmm. Sounds like and the you, kind you, of guy I'd fly a little prop plane. Yes. And you, you, you own a liquor store, a chain of liquor stores. Okay. You, I can see what your defense is going to be here. Yeah. And you're flying your little airplane. <laughs> That's already and then... And then you look at the window and there's something flying alongside your airplane. Okay. And it's an eight foot ape flying alongside your airplane. You had me. You... <laughs> Hairy eight foot ape. Huge feet. Because that's the important thing here. Huge feet. Hairy eight foot ape. And you go, oh my God, does a Sasquatch appear with me? Flying alongside. That sounds ridiculous. How is it flying? Huge bat wings. Oh my god! Huge ten foot bat wings. Where to begin? <laughs> and that is bat squatch. You've made that up. It's true. There was bat a thing. Squatch. There, there was Come a cryptid. On. There was a cryptid called bat squatch that appeared after Mount St Helens erupted. Obviously, smoke it, getting in people's uh, eyes. He's, he was in an airplane. I wouldn't like to think there was smoke inside the airplane. I just thought like an airplane is quite closed off from the These are getting progressively worse. <laughs> bad squash. But there were more and more reports because the, and these are named people and they were interviewed. So it's got huge leathery wings, glowing red eyes. Oh, because they've always got glowing red eyes, haven't they? Yes. It's important. Yeah. 
either he's one eye, glowing red eyes, or triangular headlights. That's the rules. All, all equally important. Yeah. All equally Brian Brian uh Cranfield driving along. Bat squatch lands on the bonnet of his car as he's driving along. I mean it must be horrific. Sasquatch, but this one can fly. You can't even get on the roof to escape it. So why did they slap on the brakes, let it fly off the front, and then run it over? I, I, I think it, uh, I, I don't think he was sort of he hadn't got it planned in his head. You know, he, he hadn't come up with his contingency plan. What do I do if a bat squatch bat lands on the front of my car? Okay, yeah, he's probably thinking, you know, I've got a flask in case I break down. I've got a little emergency light to attract people's attention. I've got a blanket in case it gets cold. But even I don't go to the lengths of working out what I do if bat squatched lens on the bonnet of my car. Now you know. No, no. And you know what? I was once on my first ever solo driving day. I drove from Manchester to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And uh, on my journey, my car on the motorway, as I was overtaking a lorry, burst into flames. Burst no way. Into flames. It did. First time ever I drove on my own. Driving down the motorway, coming up to Liverpool, went to come off near Wavertree, which is where I used to work. Yeah. And I thought, what's that gauge there? They never taught me that on my driving lesson. And it was your temperature gauge, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And it was on fire. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And all the... What kind of car was that? It was a Fiesta. Oh, well, they were known for bursting to flames, weren't they? And being eminently robbable. But there was traffic and roadworks, so there was no... You know, we were coming in quite slowly by then. And I remembered that my driving instructor had never told me how to do- deal with this situation. Your car burst. I mean, why Why would he, though? I mean, it's not that common an occurrence, it's is not, it? It's not, but what I'm saying is the only thing that could have been more terrifying is my car burst into flames <laughs> and bat squatch landed. Bat squatch. <laughs> but you know what? Your car burst into flames might scare bat squatch off. Yes. Oh, that would be, yeah, that's maybe, maybe I just got lucky. Singe is fair. Yes. Okay, so, I mean, I've got so many questions. Oh, and it gets, <laughs> the first one is, it gets, oh God, it gets it better. It gets better. I got the car repaired. I did. Got got the car yeah. repaired. Because it turned out it was basically, it was a stuck fan. And the uh, burning was mostly the stuff that's allowed to burn. And got off the motorway, mm. sold the car. Next day, cop turns up at my door to arrest me for an armed robbery of a post office. Because they'd robbed the car? Or they had they'd used the, car, they, the- they used the car as a getaway car. Jesus. And I, I went, yeah, I don't think I like this driving stuff. It's a little bit, there's a little bit more to oh, it. a little bit more to it than clutch control. You got to worry about the post, yeah. the post office raids, squatch, <laughs> car burst into flames on the market. Basquatch is important, yeah. I mean, I, I used to have a flat in Anfield mm. and a mate of mine come round, he had a little blue force fiesta the first night he ever visited his car got robbed from us at the house. Oh. And he was more gutted because it had all of his Star Trek cards. You know, remember the collectible card game, Star Trek? And had all of his cards in there and he just got off with them. Do you think that's why they broke in? To get the cards? No, they broke in to rob the car because <laughs> the car was gone. <laughs> I was just thinking if there I mean, were geeks that would be that desperate, you know, he had like a gold leaf rare card you know like he's got data in gold and it's worth 
No, he didn't have anything like that, but it was just he had loads of them. Yeah. You know, it's so it was he was just and I think his Magic the Gathering cards were in there as well. It's been gutted. Yeah. It was around the time of revised as well, so they there might have been some really valuable cards in there, you know. Um Batscotch. Why has Batscotch got bat wings? So he can fly. Or glide. No, he could no, be using not, the thermals from the volcano. Could it could he have not have been drunk? Having gone to the liquor store, and it was just a bat. A very hairy bat. Bats are hairy. With big feet. <laughs> Is that why the, the big feet was important? It was important was so that you couldn't say it was just a bat. Because he did. He honestly said this was a Sasquatch with bat wings that flew. He is talking absolute crap is what he's talking. There's, there's just no show. I mean, okay, so which branch of, branch of Sasquatch has wings? Come on. And why has there only been this one report of them? Oh, no, there's there's, there's that. Oh, man. yeah, more liars. More liars, yeah. But there was a group, uh, you know, this, this was going up onto, according to my um, very academic notes, this was going on until uh, 2009 when hitchhikers saw... Right, so no one took a photo. Didn't have their phones charged because they're hitchhiking through. Oh well, what a coincidence! Because there's not like it's, it, you know, it doesn't, there's, only, there's only one way of taking photos, isn't it? And that's if you've got a phone. There's always think is cameras, is there? No. They'd used all their film on photographing Manchester, but they came up with an element to the story that might give us a clue. A little. They were taking drugs at the not time. A little bit more detail. They said, Go on then, what was that? they said Bat Squatch flew down and landed in front of them. And he looked like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> like a hairy <laughs> Hulk Hogan. <laughs> There's got to be a clue for cryptozoologists there. Oh, There's a little God. bit of scientific... <laughs> There's a little bit of scientific data, like a data point, a little bit of information that's going to help them crack the case. You look like Hulk Hogan, big feet, Come on. Sasquatch, giant rings. <laughs> Let me tell you something, fools. You got to take your vitamins and respect your parents. They do the kind of the Hulks there. Yes. The dabbing and all that, yeah. Come on. Hey, man, we were out like. We were out, like hiking, and like this, like the bat squatch came, and it was like it looked like Hulk Hogan, dude. <laughs> How much peyote had they had? I'll tell you another little aside here. Go on, this go on. True. This is a true story. I had, of course, it I is. had some friends, and uh, they liked to take drugs. I obviously didn't. Yeah. I was a respectable university student do, doing my PhD. And I want, went to their house one day. They lived on the top floor of a, a block of flats. And uh, they were obviously out their face on magic mushrooms. And yeah. they, were, they seemed compass mentis. And they said, we took a load of magic mushrooms so we could watch Noel's house party. Because that was what they liked to do over Saturday night. I watched Mr. Blobby and all that. Yeah, this is where it gets good. And this is where it gets like weirder and weirder, more coincidental. The special guest that year. Was it Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan. Sorry, when I turned up. So we watched Hulk Hogan on Noel's house party. And I watched it with my friends who were all tripping their face off on magic mushrooms. And at one yeah. point, Hulk Hogan and Mr. Blobby have a fight. Um, 
And the idea is Mr. Blobby flips him and he lands down and Hulk Hogan's stunned. He's out for the count. That's the gag. Except yeah. if you're on magic mushrooms and you get convinced that you have seen Mr. Blobby kill Hulk Hogan live on BBC television and you decide it's your duty to report it to the police. Oh, my God. And I had four hours trying to talk them down off the roof because they were convinced they'd seen like a, a, a world wrestling murder and they wanted to report it as a crime. Otherwise, they'd be culpable as well because they'd witnessed a murder and had seen it. And I tried to explain to them that if the police came round, they might they would arrest them for doing drugs. Yeah, they might have an idea. I'm not they, sure you can be arrested for doing magic mushrooms, to be honest. But I, I'm not sure it was just magic mushrooms. I think they'd been on well, okay, they'd been on enough. the curry on top of pizza as well. You know, yeah. Well, that's bound to make you hallucinate, isn't it? But I spent four <laughs> hours of my life trying to convince them not to, not to call the police. And every time I left, I said, "You're not going to call the police, are you?" Not going to call the police and tell them Mr. Blobby killed Hulk Hogan. No, we're, no, we're fine. We get it. We get what's going on. And every time I'd step out the door into the hallway and open the door again, one of them would be picking the phone up. Did you hear it? <laughs> I want to go home. I want to go home. I'd have a cup of tea and a biscuit, which is what you should have oh done. Oh, my God. Instead of taking magic mushrooms, watching Noel Eden. Why did he just unplug the phone? I never thought of that. <laughs> They'd have found some way. They'd have they'd have gone to the police station and report it. But I mean, let's get back to Bat Squatch here. Could you please make some of these at least plausible? I'm I'm just reporting what people say. I can't make them up. Yeah, you're you're, you're reporting lies. You're like Fox News. But uh, the, the these the thing is in these areas. Why was the why was the elusive Sasquatch out flying next to a plane? He might be going. What's that? He might. He might. He might think that. But this is this is a creature that, through legend, has tried to hide itself. Well, it might have been hiding in the sky, thinking, "I'll tell you where they're not going to notice me, in a volcanic ash cloud. Nobody's going to see me there." And then goes, "Oh bloody hell! I forgot about airplanes." But okay, so there's a number of questions here. Why was the guy in the airplane trying driving through a bloody ash cloud? Okay, dangerous. I know it's not as dangerous with a propeller plane as a jet, but it's still dangerous. It's still dangerous. Number two, what bats can keep up with a plane? Fast ones. Right, okay. Because he would he would be, uh, to have wings that big on like essentially a big human would be really slow, a really slow flyer. Yeah, but, oh, thermals. I've got this covered. Thermals. He'd be riding. Th I'd imagine above a volcano, you've got pretty good thermals. Well, no, rather than when you've got a big cloud of smoke, there's no thermals. There's just smoke. Yeah, maybe. And also, it's so ludicrously bad. It's real though. Why? Why wouldn't they have like fur-covered bat wings? Maybe. Maybe. Why does that maybe, part of its body evolve to be something different? Maybe the volcano would burn the fur off. You know, flapping. What? Oh, yeah, in okay, but what about the rest, the rest of its body? If it had been a bald Sasquatch, it might have been that iota of that one atom more believable. So what I've got to do is do some research and come back with a bat squatch work with no fur, and I'll get it past you. Yeah, you, well, you can make it up right now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The th of the three you've mentioned tonight, none of them are in any way believable. People see them. People say they see them. People think there's a flat Earth for the second time, and people think, people are stupid. And people think Australia exists, but people not. It's full of Australians. 
I've flown there on a plane. I've flown over the Indian Ocean. I've flown into Sydney and landed. I've seen kangaroos. I've seen camels and dingoes. I've I've actually seen Uluru. I've I've slept near Uluru. Yeah, but I've seen the Sydney Opera House. But I haven't. And Butch has come to me flying to his liquor store, and he's telling me he's seen Sasquatch, and I'm going, well, I'm not seen Australia either. So to me. Big this mysteries. is a weird. This is a weird circular argument you got going on here. They're, they're not a mystery. Australia is real. Bat squatch is not even inventive. It's just Sasquatch's wings. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like someone tried to invent a bad Star Wars figure <laughs> from back in the day. Just any old crap, or like a He-Man figure. I could see Bat Squatch as one of the like Buzz off or whatever. You had, and there was the guy with lobster claw hands, wasn't there? It's just like that kind of thing. It's it's like. Stick to things which I mean, anything with giant bat wings is automatically a bit scary, yeah. Yes. And then you stick them to a Sasquatch and it's flying by your plane, wasn't it? Like, what did it say? Good morning. As it, you know, like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. So, none of these are even remotely true. Not none of them. Okay. So, I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go for the big guns now. All right, go on then. Okay, big guns. And this is, I'd like to talk about hat men. Hatman. So this is something that started to appear in, in relatively recent times, encrypted times. And people report, and, you, and this there is the non-phenomena of sleep paralysis. And mm-hmm. I think I've told you my sleep paralysis story before. I've had sleep paralysis yeah. as well. Oh. Once in my life, I remember it. And, and I was terrified. It is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And with sleep paralysis... Most terrifying thing is sometimes you see stuff. I mean, people do. Sometimes people don't. Sometimes people do. Personally, I've had a teddy bear walk across a bedroom floor and threaten me with a knife. And to me, it was absolutely real. Absolutely real. Hat men is a relatively new phenomenon. And what people are reporting all over the world and so imagine this, you wake up in the night, completely frozen, sleep paralysis. Some people report they've not even gone to sleep. They've just been sitting in their bed reading a book. And what they see in the corner is a shadow person with huge top hat on. And I've seen many ghost videos with this in. Yes. And when they've even enhanced it, you know, by brightening and things like that, it was definitely just a shadowy person. There was no, like, arms outline. You know, there was an outline, but there was no, like, when you brightened it, there was no discernible features. And these things come in different flavors. So you've got the hat men, you've got shadow people, and the other one, fairly new, black stick men, who look like sort of the stick people, made of shadows, but the sort of stick people that little kids draw, you know, when you're playing hangman, just made of stick. Yeah, that that's slightly more terrifying than a hat man, to be honest. And I'm not sure I don't I believe in that. But the hat men thing, I see I've got a hypothesis on this and it's gonna make me sound like a crackpot, but I'm gonna say they come from Australia. No. I think Okay, then I'm not even gonna say it. I'm gonna tell you then I'm gonna cut it out. Okay, then tell me. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that But yeah, I think uh, I think of 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 all of them, the hat man is the one I find most terrifying is shadow people. And the reason why is since we've started doing the podcast and 
a lot of people who who know me don't know just how much I'm into sort of weird paranormal stuff. Yeah. They've come and told me their stories. And I've had three people say that they've seen shadow people. Yeah. I know people have seen shadow people and, and I, I find the idea of them just terrifying. I genuinely do. The, the idea terrifies me that there could be these. I mean, and, and what seems to be the weirdest, the strangest thing about it is that they seem to want to torment humans. Why? Yeah. They refuse to communicate. They also don't seem to have any motive other than to watch you, which is, a, yeah. to me, that's even more terrifying. This idea that these things yeah. don't snatch you from the sky and have the US president coming to hunt them down. Yeah. They just appear in your children's bedroom and watch your children when they're asleep. Yeah. And it's the idea that you have some kids who allegedly have spoken to them mm. and they talk back to kids, but they don't talk to adults. What is it with the hats? Yeah. What is it with the hats? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we find them scary and disarming, especially when worn indoors. Yes. People tend not to wear hats indoors, do they? Because mm. they're like, they're top hats as well. I'm, yeah. There's the entire Babadook thing, but I think Hatman were around before Babadook. I think Bab well, Babadook's just a story though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Babadook, I think, was influenced by people reporting yeah. shadow people and Hatman. But it's funny because if you look at American, the American version is they're wearing kind of cowboy hats. Yeah. So I don't know whether that's a cultural thing or not. Mm. Mm. I'll tell you what it but could it's interesting, be. I'll tell you what it could be. Make a, well, make a great Christmas special for Doctor Who next year. What, the shadow, shadowy hat man? Shadowy hat man. That, that's think of a better name than that, though, wouldn't he? It's probably, you know what? It would end up being a Daleks or something like that, though, wouldn't it? It always is. It always just boils down to Davros in the, some way. The only hat that would fit on a Dalek, though, would be a sombrero. Great <laughs> <laughs> sombrero. And, you know. That would break its symmetry up a little bit. So you wouldn't go, oh, that's a Dalek shadow. You'd go, oh, that's, that's a shadow. It's I a Dalek wearing a sombrero. And from the top, they'd be unrecognisable. Hidden. Hidden. <laughs> Hidden, yeah. You'd just think it was a big troop of people in, uh, you know, historically Mexican outfits, wouldn't you? But no. Invading. It's Daleks. It's Daleks. <laughs> so of the, of the four, I think that one you actually find... That's the most compelling. Compelling. And I think you'd agree. I think so. I think so. Yeah. The other three are just ludicrously bad. Drunken or childish ramblings. That one, or oh, the ramblings of murderers. That one, I've seen multiple videos. I've, I know people who've seen them. I mean, my, my, sleep, my sleep paralysis was terrifying because it was a person stood at the end of the bed, but I knew who the person was. It was a girl I used to go out with and we'd split up and I got sleep paralysis in the midnight. I looked down the bottom of the bed and she was stood at the bottom of the bed. Mm. Yeah. And it was, that was scary because I couldn't move. Couldn't move at all. But do you reckon they, do you reckon they know what sleep paralysis is though, don't they? Because do you reckon there's an internal switch? Yes. The, the... When you go to sleep, it turns your body off. Yes. To stop you killing people in getting sleep. Up and, well, yeah, and getting up and acting out your dreams. And then when you wake up, it turns off dreaming, turns on moving. Mm. And they reckon when you've got sleep paralysis, you get stuck in the middle. So you're still partially dreaming, but you can't, when you're scared, that's where the whole idea of an incubus came from was like these 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 kind of demonic entities that sat on your chest. Yes. It was the idea that because you can't move your body, you can't take a deep breath in fear. And that's why you feel like you're choking. Right. Because the first thing people do when they're scared is take a deep breath. Yeah. Like a, like a gasp, isn't it? Yeah. I've, I've had sleep paralysis when I was younger, really bad. And I found a little trick to get rid of it, which is what? concentrate all your will into just moving a tiny little finger, your little finger. Yeah. Just go, if I can twitch my little finger, 
it's finished. And I've spent, when I've been had sleep paralysis, I've spent like a minute, twitch your little finger and you go, oh, not paralyzed. And you go instantly back to sleep. But, but it's yeah. absolutely terrifying trying to yeah. move just your little finger and have it not respond. And then you get it to do it. Yeah. Gone there. 